Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Well, hello there. Way hello there. I mean, I think I wanted to say why. Hello there. Why I wanted to say why before that, I don't know. I could have just said hello there, but we're we're always putting these extraneous words in front of our beginning sentences. The most common one being so when asked a question. I mean, once you start noticing this stuff, it drives you insane. So, let's see. <clears throat> uh I've been thinking, uh, my problem, I've been thinking that it's made no sense to me for some time when you see where Americans are choosing to live, you know, the places that are growing in population. They are places I would never want to go myself. So I, this is why maybe I'm strange. I don't know. But as we know, and the most recent census uh, shows it as well, that this trend continues, that Americans are moving south and they're moving west. And I ask you, why? Do they not see (laughs) that those south and west are going to be places that people are going to be running from and should be now. Not just because of politics, but because of climate change. I remember the first time I ever heard about climate change. It was decades ago. And some poor soul was trying to warn us <laughs> of the uh, temperatures rising and the impact that that would have. And as we know, no one listened. Next to no one listened. Back then, absolutely no one listened, although I had listened and been scared to death. And I remember one of the things that scared me was the consequence that this guy said of warming global temperatures, um, that it would change weather patterns drastically, that uh, there would be large areas uh, of of drought, of persistent drought. Uh, Drought would yield wildfires. Uh, Drought would yield human migration as uh, starving people went looking for, yeah, food, an ability to live. And because of the human migration caused by climate change, there would be political and social upheaval. Because as we have certainly seen in our lifetime, when there are desperate people fleeing from war, from social conditions, from other kinds of of violence, or fleeing toward opportunities, whatever, it doesn't go well so much. We find that the human animal is not necessarily welcoming to these people. And I I remember being terrified by it because it all made so much sense. And I I don't know that I thought I'd live to see it, but I think we we will, assuming I hang on for a year or two. Yeah, I think we're going to see it. So what I want to know is how come... Americans keep moving into the most risky areas as they don't like winter. (laughs) 
I got news for him. The winters are warming up up here. Americans continue. I'm, I'm just starting to think Americans are just flat out stupid. I don't know. Don't look, at, don't look in front of their noses. If you look a little bit forward, you see that the climate of the southern states that everybody thinks are so wondrous are going to be hellish. The rising oceans are going to create incredible floods. All these places where people want to live on the water, are they nuts? Intelligent Americans are moving inland and up. Sure, go to Florida. <laughs> go to Florida, be governed by uh, a pro-COVID governor like uh, Ron DeSantis. Go to Texas, that's another one. Arizona, these are the states that people are going to. They're run by cruel fools. Oh, but they don't have, me- you don't pay many taxes. Is that really Is that really the reason? Wow. Very American. Quality of life boiled down to how much taxes do I have to pay? Do you ever ask what you get for those taxes? I, oh God, people. So Americans continue because they're stupid moving into the Western states that are riddled with drought. Water shortages soon to become a huge story. Wildfires, smoke. They're moving into that nice coastal south. Oh, yeah. Hurricanes. I don't understand anybody anymore. I don't understand much of anything. If people were smart, they'd move up here. If they like warmth, I'll tell you, it's getting warmer. Starting to feel like, uh, I don't know, like St. Louis in the summer, which is not pleasant. But the reality is, is that climate-linked disasters are are now a given. They are a common threat to a lot of people's homes. And I got to tell you, real estate companies and insurance companies are the starting to wake up. They're creating rating systems that score climate risk down to the zip code. So I I, I just want to, as I, you know, as I look, and you know, we've all seen these pictures of the devastation of the hurricanes we've all watched for years and years, the preparations, the people running from them, um, taking temporary shelter. So these sort of temporary migrations out, we're used to, you know, the whole towns, everybody evacuating, they know the drill, but then they go back. And I always think to myself, when are they going to say, I'm going to stop doing this? And I think more and more, despite the extraordinary stubborn stupidity of so many people, that they will eventually say this isn't smart. As one 
woman writing about this put it, we are now at the dawn of America's great climate migration. The very beginning. And in 10 years, you can say, I remember Lynn Cullen said something about that. As the news is filled with stories of people trying to get out of the very places the census tells us they're still trying to get in. I have a caller. Hello. Hi, Lynn. You haven't even gotten to the stupidest thing that people are doing. I heard what? the other day that in areas that are prone to these disasters, there are building codes that will make their homes and their grounds safer. And people are refusing to follow them because they think they have a right to decide for themselves. So <laughs> don't tell me how to build my house. What um, is with these people? I, I don't know. Wait, then, then the best one is, don't tell me I can't have rose bushes. You can't tell me what to plant in my yard. Apparently, rose bushes are pretty easily um, engulfed in fire. So I just, I, I, when I heard that, I couldn't believe it. Well, you know, I'll tell you one thing. For people who, cont- I, I mean, here, here's the thing. A lot of people probably would like to get out of these areas but they don't have the means to Probably get out. That's true, yes. That's right. So it is, you know, the rich, as usual, or those who've got some money, always have the ability to hang in the longest because they can mitigate and ameliorate and, you know, and get out quickly if they have to and then come back. But it's the poor, always, who bear the brunt of this. And... um you know, what's going to have to happen is there's going to eventually have to be some kind of federal uh, program that maybe helps buy houses out from under these people, helps re- relocate them. I don't know. But we're going to have a refugee crisis at some point in this country of Americans. Absolutely. And nobody wants and, people who aren't them, put that in your quotes. Yeah. <laughs> It's just yeah. insane. Yeah. So I, I, you know, just a, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I look at this. I look. At, I remember even when I was first here in Pittsburgh, and I, there was some flash flood, and it, and and it was uh, some people were on the evening, you know, local news, and this woman says. She's cleaning out the, her, you know, her basement. Every everything's muck and mud, and she says this happens every every year. It seems, wow. and I'm thinking. My thought was, well, why the hell <laughs> won't you get out of there? I agree. And yeah, but then later, with a little more wisdom, I thought this is not a rich woman. She's living in a home. She very well might have been in her family forever. It's all she has. And it's of little value because of where it sits. Right. So it's easy for me to say, why don't you get the hell out of there? And I don't know. We need, I don't know. We're, we're screwed. We are, for sure. Yeah, we're screwed. We're, and the you know, we can't don't... tell people what to do because they have their freedom. Yeah, they sure do. They have the freedom to kill themselves and other people and cost us all a lot of money and turmoil because they refuse to, I don't know, do the <laughs> right thing. Uh, well, hey, thanks for the commiseration. I always appreciate it. Take care. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, as the remnants of uh, Ida uh, sort of, they're moving pretty quickly out of here. I was looking at the radar. I, I think it's almost done, even though they said it would go all day. I don't know what's happening where you are right now, but oh, dear. Why don't you just move? 
move. <laughs> okay. Uh, I listened to the president's speech on the ending of the longest war in American history, which tons of Americans in elective office, I don't think many of the people, wanted to continue. <clears throat> For what reason, I can't figure out. I think Biden is just right on. I mean, he's so right about all this. And the pundits, God help me, God save me from them. I can't listen to another word. All self-interested, always negative. I don't, I can't take it. I mean, Biden said it. Hey, if on September 11th, uh, we'd been attacked from Yemen instead of Afghanistan, would we ever have gone to war in Afghanistan for any reason at all? Is that in our national interest, Afghanistan? And it's true. In 2001, the Taliban, you know, were there. But yeah, did we think we should go to war with them? No, it wasn't until we got hit on 9-11, and then we did what we do. We react. And our media were, you know, beating the war drums. Everybody was beating the war. That's what always happens. And so Biden kept saying uh, yesterday, we have no vital interest there and haven't for some time. He said the terror threat is everywhere. He didn't say what I was thinking. The biggest terror threat is here in the United States, without a doubt. They ain't Muslims. They're fellow Americans. I mean, who can disagree? When he says, I simply don't believe that the safety and security of America is enhanced by continuing to p deploy thousands of Americans and spending billions of dollars a year in Afghanistan. But I also know that the threat from terrorism continues. But it's changed, expanded. Our strategy has to change, too. And we'll keep an eye on Afghanistan. We just don't need to fight a ground war there. Who in their right mind doesn't agree with that? The Republicans saying he should be impeached over it. My God, calling for the 25th Amendment to be. I, these are the people who saw, thought Donald Trump was, uh, you know, the head explodes. And then he said this, and who's going to disagree? We've got to learn from our mistakes. We must set missions with clear, achievable goals. And we must stay focused on the fundamental national security interest of the United States. He's absolutely right. And he alluded, and I was glad he did, because I've been sitting here looking at uh, a, I know, caller, hang on, I'll be with you in a minute. But I, I, I've been, I have been, I was stuck when I saw it. I, I didn't have this number in my head. You know, the lives that have been lost there, and I'll just talk about American lives, not that they're more valuable than an Afghan life, but the lives that have been lost or upended or traumatized, 
lessened uh, by this war. The numbers are not known, but there are indicators. The reality is, is that since this war started and its twin in Iraq, a totally unnecessary war, of all the thousands of our soldiers who died in combat, Four times, more than four times that number who died in the war took their own lives after it. Thirty thousand plus is what the number is, although it's somewhat fungible, 30,000 plus soldiers and veterans died by suicide while serving or after service. And I think Biden alluded to that when he said, this is hard to believe. 18 veterans on average die by suicide every single day here in America. Yeah, but we should stay there. We should keep for what? For what? It just people's unbelievable stupidity. Excuse me. We have a caller. Hello. Caller. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. I guess not. All right. Everybody still hearing me? Am I there? Are we here? Uh, Milton has sent me... uh, an article, he says this was a three-part article in the New York Times Magazine some time ago uh, with lots of information and anecdotal evidence of current human migration uh, because of climate change. Yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, it's it's a certainty. It's just a certainty. No doubt about it. Don't be shocked when it becomes the lead story. Brooke writes, I'm right with you regarding Biden. At first, I was really questioning the execution of the pullout, but now I've come to realize that it was never going to be anything but messy. I, for one, am happy to be out By the way, his written speeches are fantastic. I would love to know who's writing them. (laughs) Biden's fantastic with the teleprompter, but somewhat less impressive talking off the top of his head. But certainly not as bad as the former orange one. Yeah, well, of course you're going to be, listen, uh, as somebody who talks off the top of my head, uh, you're always going to be better if you – are reading something and you're good on a teleprompter. So it seems natural. Um, and yes, he's, he's good at that. You know, a speechwriter has the opportunity to choose words carefully to be extremely thoughtful. If once you're, you know, flying, uh, by the seat of your pants with, uh, you know, no net under you, uh, the right word might not quite be there. Of course. I mean, that, that, yeah, that goes without saying. And let us not forget that Joe Biden has a stammer. And so when he seems to be looking for a word, you, I mean, anyone who listens to me, no, I'm forever looking for words. And I don't have a stammer. Uh, so 
that is part of it, too. And this big lie that the Republicans are uh, are peddling with, which one? Which big? Well, there's so many, I know, but I'm thinking about Biden's somehow mental acuity or insufficiency is just that. It is as big a lie as the one we call the big lie. Extraordinary. And what do I have here? Hey, I just want to say, speaking of people who can talk off the cuff, I have, I'm not sure why, for some reason in the last week or so, uh, found myself watching uh, a White House press briefing. Uh, and Biden's press secretary, Jean, I think it's pronounced Saki. It's P-S-A-K-I. Saki. Has to be. I'm not kidding you. The greatest press secretary of all time. I, I, she, I, 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 I'm just gobsmacked by the quickness of her mind. She even talks extraordinarily quickly in full sentences with not an um or an er or a like or a so to be found. She is, I mean, the the very personification of calm and competence and control. I'm, I'm in awe, in awe, just brilliant. All you got to do, you look at that, there is competency in the executive branch. And try to remember, I know it's painful, the people who held that position. In the last four years, the clowns, their names, I forget them, thank God. I think I only remember the first one. Is that Sean Spicer? Oh, and that Huckabee, it's coming back. Ah! Excuse me, I didn't mean to scream in your ear. Oh. So there I said it. I said so. That's just by in time. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I'm trying to find something here. Uh, uh, Jennifer Rubin in the Washington Post had a good uh, op-ed about all all this. Um, and uh, – She says this, and I agree with it, Biden would do well to examine his own administration's performance. He failed to anticipate and fully plan for the immediate collapse of the Afghan government. Um, But that's intelligence. Well, she gets into that. And also the other big fail is she says they need to look at the special immigration visa process. And, you know, we interviewed the the uh, woman here at uh, the University of Pittsburgh who is working so hard in a voluntary capacity with other people trying to get paperwork for the folks back in Afghanistan. Um, and she said the bureaucracy of it is just you know, uh, such a tangle, so unnecessarily so. So those things do need to be addressed so that we can be better. And then she says this, and boy, do I agree. More broadly, we need to understand how a war built on wishful thinking and cultural ignorance 
could grind on for two decades and why our intelligence community consistently gets really big issues wrong. From failing to anticipate the fall of the Soviet Union, that's going back a bit, to the non-existent weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, to not knowing that the Afghan military that we spent so much time, blood and fortune trying to build up would literally collapse the minute we even said we were going, and that the government we tried to create there would run. Our intelligence, it seems sort of a misnomer to call it intelligence. She says, if we do not address these more fundamental problems, systemic fundamental problems right here, in the U.S. of A., we will repeat the errors of Afghanistan just as certainly as we repeated the errors of Vietnam in Afghanistan. And why do I think there's an inevitability about it? Because we refuse to learn from history. Okay, what do I got here? Hang on, hang on. I got my stuff together. Oh, oh, we got the caller callers back. Hello, let's see if we get the caller this time. Hello. <clears throat> hey, Lynn, it's Mike in Upper St. Clair. Hey. So I was calling to brag about being one of the smart people who moved north. Um, but as I sit on my, yeah. as I look out my deck, I see the Chartier's Creek about uh, any feet higher than it was any other day. I didn't even know the creek was there. I was like, what's that running there? <laughs> there will um, be no getting away from it. But yeah, there are places that are less prone to. Well, I wanted a water view. I wanted a view of the water. Uh, I got it right here. Um, I have a, I have a, a, I have a river, I have a river coursing through my garage right now. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's part of the reason I moved was because, you know, I'm not a genius, but I can see that when it's 120 in DC or, you know, more than a hundred yeah. or more warmer today than it was 10 years ago when I moved there, you yeah. know what, why don't you move north? So, yeah. Um, but that's part of the reason. Well, yeah, but, but we're going to be as hot. We're going to have DC's weather in 10 years. Right. Of course we will. Yeah. We are already we getting there. Yeah. Yeah. R right. So, um, about, uh, and, but since you were talking about the issue with repeating our, our mistakes and not having good intel in these foreign countries, mm -hmm. we need to look at where the money goes. All of the money goes to the Department of Defense, not the State Department. The State Department is historically underfunded, dramatically underfunded, and that's where the money goes to get the intel for the country. So we're happy to buy billion-dollar planes or mm -hmm. boats or ships or whatever, but we're not happy to put people on the ground in order to find intel that could stop mm -hmm. us from using those billion-dollar equipment. And I'll let someone less cynical than I figure out the reason for that. <laughs> well, you, um, correct me if I'm wrong, have have been a government subcontractor. Correct. correct. Yes. And did you work in, was that the money that was paying you, was that in the defense budget or the State Department budget? Defense, defense. And defense. I think defense, it. yeah. And I went, yeah. I've had... I've had job offers or discussions with people from the defense, the, sec, the, the, um, uh, the intel agencies, but I won't take it because I know their funding is very iffy. 
because that's mm-hmm. not where the money goes. The money goes on things and on not on the soft side of war. Doesn't go well, because on the cold things, war side. things make money for lots of people. I did want to say that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's the reason yeah. we're going to keep repeating this is because there's yeah. money to be made in it. We're too there's stupid to, to value in intelligence. Intelligence, as well, you said, is considered a soft thing. It's not hardware. It's amorphous. And it's also secret. So I'm the senator. Say I'm the senator for Pennsylvania, and you can't I get brag money. About it. I can't brag yeah. about it. Right. I can't brag that um, I brought, you know, smelting yeah. manufacturers to the city and blah blah blah. Right. So that's the reason that it's not going to change is because there are people who we don't elect who have power, uh-huh. and then people we elect who want to keep their limited power, so they give more power to multinational conglomerates who make money off of, you know, war. I heard someone said, I think it was um, John Stewart. No, someone said, I forget who it was, I'm sorry, that if you invested $10,000 in general um, dynamics 10 years ago, 20 years ago, it would yeah. be worth $100,000 now. Sure. That's an amazing well, it, return on investment. Yeah. Well, you know, and stop and think about it. And this is where our government has been corrupted by the revolving door between uh, our gover- our government and those huge uh, corporations that are on the receiving end of so much government funding. I mean, the biggest one being uh, Dick Cheney going from you know, the private sector defense side to the executive side, then back out, you know, he was Halliburton, then he was vice president, then he was defense. It's these guys all know each other. They go in and out of both sides. They control the game. Right. No. And they own stock. And they they own own stock stock and they get rich, rich, rich. Yeah. Right. And worse is that when they, they know they won't be in there forever. So they'll need a job when they get out. So hedge my bets and make sure I'll get a job with company X when I'm no longer a civil servant. The uh-huh. really big scam in the government, though, is this. It's that the Republicans brag about how small business is, how small <laughs> they made government smaller. All they do is hire contractors for more money to do the same work a civil servant would do and then um, profit off of that game. That's the real. And, uh, you, yeah. You know what? I wish you'd take all this inside information and go away. It's depressing. <laughs> I know. I know. God help us. We're doomed. But we're not doomed in the way to move, like you said. We can move north. Yeah, now. You we don't have to move. wait until. Oh, and I'm, so I'll end with a parable. And it relates to the moving okay. with the flood thing. So there are four chapters of this parable. Chapter one. Um, uh, a news a weatherman comes on on the TV and says to a wife and a husband, says to the broadcast, um, the hi- husband and wife are listening. A flood is coming. You better leave. So the wife gets packing, and the husband says, "No, no, God's going to protect me. God's going to protect me." Uh, she yeah, said, yeah, "Okay, sure but I'm much. leaving." Yeah. Chapter two: um, A boat comes across the guy's uh, right. property, and he says, "Get in." We'll take you to safety. And he says, no, no, God's going to take me. God's going to save me. God's going to save me. Chapter three, helicopter. He's the guy's on the roof of his building. Helicopter throws him a line and says, um, God, jump on, jump on. We'll take you to safety. And he's like, no, no, God's going to save me. God's going to save me. Final chapter, the, the guy is in front of St. Peter. And he says, St. Peter, I don't get it. I, I believe that God would save me. And St. Peter said, look, we sent you a weather guy, we sent you a boat, we sent you a helicopter, and you didn't take any one of them. So at some point, the warning signs that you get through life, you got to take them. Yeah. I think God, too, uh, sent the vaccines for all those people who think God is in charge of everything. Yeah. Uh, I hear you. I've heard that before. It's a wonderful story. It is a wonderful parable. Yes. Thank you. 
Sure. Yes, but it, everything's scary. Bye. Bye. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, I'm in a constant state of terror. Who's fighting the war on terror in my head? I'd like to know. <clears throat> hey, the most interesting story. Uh, I mean, according to me, is the disappearance of the attorney who is representing more of the insurrectionists from January 6th than any other attorney. I mean, he's representing proud boys and and uh, a lot of other people. He he this guy this guy's name is John Pierce, and he is a flat out nutcase. He is a full on trumper, and he's been missing, and not just missing. But something's very weird. Uh, it was a week ago that one of his clients, and he's got a ton of them. He's representing a lot of these jerks. He he didn't show up at a hearing for one of his clients. And in his place was this what's called in the 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 a young associate who turns out to be some guy named uh, Ryan Marshall. He showed up and said to the judge, uh, sorry, Your Honor, uh, Mr. Pierce had a conflict. But then there was another hearing on a Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. There were other hearings, and he, can't, he didn't show. Other clients. So all these people who are in jail and have, you know, they are not, not that I care much, that they're not getting representation. Instead, they're getting this guy, this young guy, Marshall, who keeps showing up. But what's interesting is he, his story keeps changing. So on Wednesday, he tells another judge that Mr. Pierce has gotten COVID-19 and he's in the hospital. And he's on a ventilator. However, the day before, he had told another judge that Pierce had been in a car accident. And then another associate standing in for Pierce in another hearing he didn't show up at told the judge he was hospitalized and getting care for dehydration and exhaustion. And so finally, Monday, this Monday, two days ago, the government got involved. Federal prosecutors issued letters to several of the judges who are overseeing these capital riot cases, informing them that no one uh, can find or the whereabouts of John Pierce, the attorney, and that multiple phone numbers for his law firm have been disconnected. <laughs> um, and and oh, here's oh, this is the original attorney for the jerk murderer Kyle Rittenhouse. The kid in Kenosha who paraded around with his uh, armaments and killed two people and injured a third and has become like a hero and a martyr to the right-wingers. He was Rittenhouse's attorney, and Rittenhouse got rid of him after some kind of allegations that a charity they had created to probably pay them, I don't know what was being, I don't know. So this guy is a piece of work. And as if that's not enough, the young associate who kept changing stories and saying, ah, he's got COVID, uh, the conflict, uh, the car accident, that guy, one Ryan Joseph Marshall, 
turns out not even to be a licensed lawyer who should not have been allowed to into the court in the first place. And although I guess he's attempted to get his law license or something, it says here that it's unclear whether <clears throat> Mr. Marshall will be able to get his law license given that he's under indictment in two criminal cases in Pennsylvania, accused of corruption, theft, and fraud. Ah, dear God in heaven. Does it surprise you that these stupid, irrational lunatics who tried to overthrow our government on January 6th, hire as their representatives in court, totally unqualified idiot lunatics, one of whom is now on the lamb. Or dead. I don't know. You tell me. But that's a story you might want to keep your eye on. Just, just for a little um, entertainment, I think. Um, all right. We got a caller? Caller? Go ahead, please. You mentioned mentioning Mike Huckabee reminded me like how far crazy we are yeah. because we thought he was crazy. Huckabee was crazy yeah. back in the day. And he is yeah. crazy, yeah. but he's almost normal now. And I don't like that. No, he's not. He's gotten worse. When, when he was his running. Now, his daughter is now running, you know, God help us. It was the daughter, what? Sarah Huckabee yeah. Sanders, that vile human. <laughs> God. I mean, because it's like, you know, I remember when he was running for president and they asked him, well, uh, what's going to be your national defense? And he introduced Chuck Norris. And that was all. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I, it's like, that's insane. And then, um, and, you know, and then with, with the death of Donald Rumsfeld, you know, you know or him being. You know, and all the lies that he told and the ridicule he gave reporters who kept asking, are we entering another Vietnam? It's like that now seems so OK compared to what we've experienced. Well, but that's what happens. I mean, and I know that during Trump's reign, uh, it was it was interesting to see how we quickly become inured to things that would three years back have been a huge scandal and they didn't even get mentioned. I mean, Trump in so many ways lowered the uh, bar on everything, civility, accountability, responsibility, acceptability, anything you can think of that if you, yeah, if we dare to look back, uh, yeah, four years, five years, six years, and to see how far down we have gone. And I don't know that you ever get back. I don't know. Because I, well, I, I remember us saying how much, how low the bar had gotten when Bush was president. <laughs> and like, I mean, it's like, okay, we're going to have to deal with this moron for four years. What, eight years? And then, and then we had the next, I mean, this crazy man. So it's like, please, are we going to keep lowering the bar for the GOP? I hope not. I hope not. No, the um, GOP is lost. They're they're gone, and they are now a neo-fascist party. They are a party whose leadership doesn't lead. It's terrified of its base, and the lunatics are in control of the asylum known as the Republican Party, formerly known as the Republican Party. I don't there. I don't think there's any resurrecting uh, the party of Lincoln. It's gone. Yeah. You know, it's interesting is, you know how um, Trump used to call, you know, any Republican who disagreed with him a rhino, Republican in name only. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's like, he, Trump is the ultimate rhino. There's nothing Republican mm -hmm. about him. And it, it does, it's like, 
that, I mean, whatever he was bitching about, it was basically, he was, he was just exposing himself that whatever he said about somebody, how corrupt they were, it was just him. It was about him all the time. Uh, that's you right. Know? That is correct. He has no interest in politics, policy, anything. The job, no. It was a way for him to get more attention, more celebrity, and richer. I mean, it was a, a, it was the biggest grift of his life, and he pulled it off. He pulled it off, and in so doing, uh, helped you know. Uh, I don't know, accelerate the uh, downward spiral of the American experiment. I don't think he gives two hoots about anything. I, I, I'm sure he doesn't, other will, than will himself. He, will he go to the New York State pen? I don't. You know what? I have gotten so that I don't think about him. I don't okay. think about him. I don't. He's, he doesn't intrude upon my dreams. Um, he is... I think um, I don't think he has the power we think he has anymore. The that the very fact that he got booed by his own people the other day shows that the, uh, again uh, they've lost control of the Frankenstein they've created. I mean the monster. I understand the Frankenstein has lost control of the monster. Uh, whatever. Hey, thank you You're for welcome. your call. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Um, Father Joseph writes, <clears throat> President Biden made the right call at the right time. The notion, <clears throat> excuse my voice, the notion that we could make another nation just like us was and will always remain an arrogant and myopic approach, myopic, right, approach for foreign policy. Now, let's hope for that good old American short attention span. I'm counting on it. <laughs> if Democrats can get that infrastructure bill through before 2021 ends, then Democrats will have a real fighting chance of retaining control of the House and Senate. I love your optimism. Why? Because the public will be glad to forget about the war in Afghanistan. Listen, first of all, hey, Father Joseph, the public didn't remember it when it was happening. Uh, media paid it no attention at all. Especially the TV media. Never saw boo about Afghanistan. <clears throat> I bet if you ask some people, are we in a war now? Most Americans would have said, uh, I don't think so. And so the hand wringing and cries of, oh, how could he end this war? When Americans didn't pay any attention to it, when it was going on, didn't give a damn. You bet the public will forget about it. Now, there'll be efforts with the Republican ad campaigns to make it, you know, to remind them, you know, they'll be flying the flag and showing America, you know, being, being, uh, you know, beaten by a bunch of, I don't even want to go there. I mean, it's just, it's why I don't have, I can't share your hope because there are so many, too many, Income poops. <laughs> Sorry. People who are so easily led and bamboozled and, and, uh, I, I, rather than reading, writing, and arithmetic, you know, it needs to be taught two things critical thinking and media literacy. If people knew those two things, we could maybe have a fighting chance, but they don't. I'm sorry. Father Joseph was not done. I hijacked. Father Joseph goes on. The Chinese are doing with diplomacy, yes, what the United States does with the military instrument of power. The Chinese are forming alliances and advancing China's agenda through diplomacy and investment. Oh, they are. 
The U.S. tries to do the same by promising security for allies through military might. The Chinese haven't used military force because, well, they don't have to at this <laughs> juncture. That, we'll see it soon enough. There will come a time when the U.S. and China will compete for natural resources. And when that occurs, China will be militarily militarily ready to assert its will while calling in the chips on all those alliances and investments they made via diplomacy. The United States needs to up its diplomatic game as soon as possible. And I think Biden gets that. But it's so much harder to sell to the American people who like that military stuff, like the bombast and the the aggressiveness of it, the macho-ness. Diplomacy's for wimps. What, we're going to go talk to them? I thought we were going to kill them. Here's the other thing. Here's my one of my, uh, what do you think is going to happen? Because China's clearly showing uh, that it is, uh, you know, what in Hong Kong, what it is going to now, as anybody knew the minute the Brits pulled out of there, no matter what the Chinese said, that uh, they would eventually reclaim in every way uh, Hong Kong. So Hong Kong will be totally under China's thumb and uh, absorbed into it totally. And then where does China go? They're looking at the next thing that they feel is theirs. And, you know, if you were China, you'd agree with them. And that'd be Taiwan. Now, Taiwan is our ally. China says it's theirs, not their ally. It's just flat out theirs. It belongs to China. When the Chinese turn their attention to Taiwan, you tell me if the U.S. will not be compelled And it won't be diplomatic, will it? To come to the aid of Taiwan. Is that in our national interest? I'm just asking. I'm asking. Personally, I'd say let them have it. But here's what will happen. We're going to go to war. That's another war. But who's the war with now? It's with China. I don't want to. You think the Taliban was tough. I'm sorry. I do not want to go to war with China. And that seems like just around the corner. I haven't heard anybody talking about this. So I'm just making this up off the, off the top of my head. I mean, I might be really wrong about this. But... Uh, Unlike a lot of people, I'm always ahead. I'm always looking ahead. It's the way I drive. It's the way I live my life. It's not good because, you know, I guess the Zen thing is to be in the moment. I'm always eh, like 10 feet in front of the moment, which is not a good way to live. But at least, um, I don't know. I have no idea at least what. But if anybody has seen anything about Taiwan and China and the United States, and it could well be that we will find out if we learn from our mistakes. <laughs> and that could be one of the testing grounds, although there's so many other possibilities. There's possibilities in, you know, much less fraught, perhaps, uh, in Africa, where China is just uh, – going full steam ahead in the way that Father Joseph uh, suggests. Oh, dear. Okay, guys, I think that's it. I mean, I don't know if that's it. That's it. I mean, I looked at the... Uh... Did Ida peter out already? I thought the whole day we were going to be rained out. Is it raining where you are? Because it's 
practically sunny here. All right. Have a good one. I'll be back uh, tomorrow because I don't have anywhere else to be. Pathetic. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Thursday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.